when I was 25 and a half, I started a podcast. The goal? To review some of the newest and the latest movies, along with some other stuff. With the help of my guests, I was able to do this, but there were dark forces tampering with my podcast and with me. They called it an improvised podcast for some reason. I eventually found help in the form of myself. Yes, the me from a universe where the movies I reviewed got delayed. Apparently, my podcast made it to his universe. I know now that it is my duty, for the good of that universe, nay, the multiverse, to keep recapping and reviewing these movies, to hold listeners over until they could eventually see the movies as they were made in their world. For some reason, they come out differently in my world, but it's kind of entertaining that way. My name is Steven Schinder, and this is Delayed Replay. Hello, listeners. This is Steven Schinder, your host, as always. Welcome to another episode of Delayed Replay, that podcast where we review some of the latest movies or movies that have been out for weeks or months or whatever. We just love talking cinema. Uh, Joining me on this particular episode is a friend of mine I know from University of Sussex Sci-Fi and Horror Society, as well as University of Sussex Doctor Who Society. It is Oliver Titcomb. How are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you, Stephen. Yeah, great to have you here. Uh, yeah, sometimes like you, me, and our friends, like we enjoy talking about movies as well as TV show, and we kind of get an idea of like our different tastes. So it's like a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, so the movie we're discussing for this episode is an M Night Shyamalan movie called Old which is based on a graphic novel called Sandcastle. I myself have not read the graphic novel, uh, but I've heard mixed things about it. Are you familiar with it? I'm vaguely familiar with it. I haven't um, read it, but I do know that, well, M. Night Shyamalan, as people probably already know, is notorious for his uh, twist endings and... Yes. <laughs> I've heard that they were contemplating doing a twist ending in the graphic novel, but changed their mind and decided to do a normal ending. So, whereas, obviously, M. Night Shyamalan, presumably that's where M. Night Shyamalan got his idea for the twist ending for this film. Uh, yes, and we will get to that. But yeah, I've heard vague things about the graphic novel. Like I've heard some people didn't like the ending. Um, I don't know what happens, but... There were some little other things that I guess were controversial with some people. Uh, The art looks like the glimpses I saw looks serviceable, but it's also black and white. Um, Like, I don't know, some of the drawing style looks kind of simplistic compared to like what uh, some other things I enjoy reading. Um, But yeah, with M. Night Shyamalan, he loves doing twist endings. And I guess we should like, go over what M. Night Shyamalan movies we've each seen before. Uh, So how many of his movies have you seen? I've only seen two of them, The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable. Although I have written a list of films I want to watch and included on the list are Signs, Split and Glass, which are some of his other films. 
Yeah, the ones you watched were with uh, sci-fi and horror. Systems, yeah, I think right? I think um, Unbreakable. It, I I actually got to cho- choose the. It was uh, my week when we watched Unbreakable, so I chose what films were enlisted. But yes, and but both of them were through the society. Yeah, and I didn't enjoy Unbreakable that much, but it's I guess it's cool that like you enjoyed it yeah it I, in your week <laughs> i did quite like it actually i i found that because i knew the tw- both twists in advance i f- felt that unbreakable because the twist in unbreakable is less integral to the plot it it's better in my opinion whereas with the sixth sense it's very um the entire uh, plot is heavily based on the twist which you have to go in it cold to really, really enjoy it, from what I can tell. Right. I I personally do prefer The Sixth Sense. I mean, I do uh, really enjoy The Sixth Sense, but yeah, I think I just like them in different ways. Right. And we also have like this running joke in the society uh, that I came up with, where it's like the, the real Bruce Willis is the one that doesn't have hair. So it's like... Oh, it's I kind of about faux... that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah faux Bruce Willis in the sixth sense um but I do want to see Split and Glass eventually yeah, so do I. Uh, just just yeah just because I'm curious to see like what happens like later um but I think apart from those the only other M. Night Shyamalan movies I've seen are The Village which I found underwhelming and uh The Last Airbender which was pretty bad <laughs> um, apparently he um removed the word avatar from the last airbender so it doesn't get confused with um james cameron's avatar yeah because this was several months after james cameron's avatar came out yeah which uh, considering the two films from what i can tell are very different i don't i don't think there was much risk of anyone getting confused Although I have, yeah. although I've heard terrible reviews of the film, I've heard really good reviews of the original um, uh, animated t- television series, and I I have seen the first episode of the animated series, so I do have a rough idea of what sort of style and tone the original series is. Yeah, the animated series is really good. I think where uh, Shyamalan missed the mark is that. It, like, his movie doesn't have any of the humor that the show has. And, of course, there's, like, the controversial casting decisions and, like, some other things. But I think... he just really missed the mark mm. with that. I read an article once saying the best thing it, it, in the film was there's a scene in it where no one says anything. <laughs> <laughs> and they said that... Where no one says anything. Yeah, I, I think it was something like when they were going from one point to another across uh, sort of moving through the air or something and the and because the dialogue is allegedly so wooden and terrible um they uh, basically said that's because no one says anything in that scene that makes that's partly makes it the best scene in the whole film yeah the the dialogue is pretty bad i can confirm i remember my brother and our friends like several years ago were like joking that like Shyamalan loves doing twist endings, and the twist for the last Airbender was that it sucked. I, I so. have seen the trailer, and I have seen the trailer listed as trailers better than the film because the trailer does make the <laughs> film look actually decent. Yeah, I vaguely remember the trailer. I don't remember 
if I thought it looked decent. I mean, but all... at, at least it's a shorter runtime. Yeah, right? I mean, it does make it look actually relatively decent. Sort of, if if it didn't have such terrible reviews, I might have added it to my list as a sort of. Let's go. I might go and check it out because it looks really interesting. <laughs> but since I know right. about all the terrible reviews in it, I ha- haven't put the last Ed Bender on my list. Yeah, how many how many movies are on your list of things to watch right now? Um, well, a lot, including the ones I've seen, over two hundred and thirty. But I've seen more than half of it, so there's only something like okay, yeah. So including all the films that I've seen some of, like so. There's more like closer to. Let me check. Yeah, and they're like constantly adding to it every once in a while, right? Yeah, uh, occasionally. Like for example, I've recently put old on the list. But now we've crossed that out since we've seen it opening weekend. So but, nice. well, now I've listed it as um seen. Okay, including old, which I've seen, including old, I've added five more. So there's two hundred and thirty-five. I've seen. 125 of those. No, 126 of those. They're leaving 102 plus seven partials. That's 109 left on my list to watch. Okay, and when did you start making this list? Uh, the Well, November 2019, around the time that the Physics Society... Uh, well, I, I study physics, uh, and the university has a physics society, and they watched, uh, and then as a society, we watched 2001 A Space Odyssey. So, I, around inspired by that, I started writing a list of films I wanted to see. Oh, nice. And it sort of expanded yeah, from there. Only relatively recently, yeah. I turned it into a spreadsheet. Oh, yeah, that probably makes it more organized and easier to look yes. at. Yes. Yeah, and I think you're like one of the only people I know who for sure knows their top five movies. Because for me, it's like super hard to choose. I mean, it, it, it's like a top, top five, five sci-fi and horror movies. And and oh, okay. And it is sort of large, mostly because films I really enjoy: Galaxy Quest, Spaceballs, uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music, the recently released film, which is the third and best film in the trilogy uh the cabin in the woods and attack the block which is a british film about um starring uh the 13th doctor and um and uh finn from star wars <laughs> that that's the only one on that list i haven't seen yet i've been meaning to, yeah it's though. really good that's in my top five <laughs> but yeah like we've said, Shyamalan was kind of notorious for not sticking close to the source material with the last airbender but there were like some viewers of old who said that they were okay with some of the changes made in this movie. And I'm not sure what they were since I haven't read the graphic novel, but uh, I guess we will just like get into it. Uh, the film old. Yeah. Yeah. So we got this family. We've got Jack and Kate, uh, husband and wife, and they have their, uh, they have two daughters. The older one is, Evelyn, the younger one is Amanda, and they have a son named Mark. So they're kind of like having this barbecue in their backyard with like neighbors and whatnot. And then they're like, hey, maybe we should go on vacation. Um, so what, like, what do you think of the vibe of this? 
opening scene. Yeah, I I think it's one of those, it, it looks fine, but there was something about it that was a little off. It had that uh, sinister undertone to it, but you couldn't quite put your finger on it, which I thought was an interesting decision. It's kind of like, um, I guess a recent example would be Wanda Vision, which I won't spoil, but it does at times have that sort of vibe where like things look fine, but something is off. Yeah. So they decide to go to this beach uh, in like this tropical looking place, and they're like having a good time and whatnot. But then this is where like weird stuff starts to happen. Like as we get deeper into like the first act of this film, mm, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they notice that the kids like are starting to look older and it's like very jarring because we saw them play like as kids and then all of a sudden whoa they're like growing up it's like super it reminded weird. me of a, a, a an episode of Torchwood where uh, where a kid gets sucked into the rift the idea is it's a it's a hole in space time or something and things come out of it uh, around Cardiff which is why Torchwood has to deal with it and in 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 a second series episode called Adrift, I think it's called. A, a kid gets sucked into it, and and apparently he uh, comes back out again, and he's a fully grown man. And it, it sort of reminds me of that in, in some ways. Okay. Yeah, it's been forever since I've watched that episode. Within the last uh, few months, I've heard my friends at the Trust Your Doctor, a Doctor Who podcast, uh, talk about it. So... Yeah, like weird weird stuff happens in Torchwood as well. Yes, um, it's it's like a box of chocolates. You never know what type of filling you're gonna get or whatever. <laughs> Wasn't that Forrest Gump? Yeah, but I altered the quote a little yes. bit. <laughs> I think it was the Sixth Doctor said, "It's nothing like a. What's the point of a good quote if you can't change it?" I might have got that slightly wrong. Which is the point? Yeah, because the fourth <laughs> uh, Colin Baker. Because I was thinking of when Tom Baker, like after he regenerated, like at the end of that story, he was like, what's the point Must of be. being grown up if you can't be childish or whatever? No, I think it, I was thinking of something slightly different, but yeah, it's same. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Well, what did you think of the, like how their older versions look? Uh, comparing uh, Ian, Ian, how similar Ian Armitage and uh, Jim Parsons look particularly, because they do look like young, uh, respectively um, younger and older versions of the same character, because they both play the character of Sheldon in different time periods. But it, but you could you could easily imagine them playing the same character. It's it, re- it reminded me of that, as in it was obviously the same person, but they were grown up. Okay. Yeah, because I've never actually watched young Sheldon, but from the commercials I've yeah. seen, is, it's like, oh, okay, I can imagine him growing up into like the Jim Parsons. Yeah, version. it is really good. It it is, in my opinion, better than the Big Bang Theory. It it's also very different because it's because uh, yeah, it's single I, camera rather than multi camera, which does really really makes a difference. Does Young Sheldon have a like a no, it's, track or is it without it's without one? one. Oh, good. Yeah, I think. <laughs> Cause, yeah, because there are some shows that. Yeah have I think it's mostly live studio audience is the idea but yeah I know what you mean yeah like sometimes the laughs feel earned depending on the show and other times it just feels like they're thrown in there 
I, I guess it's nice to hear that they did away with that for the young show. Yeah, it just show. wouldn't have worked anyway. Right. Um, can you imagine how different this movie old would have been if there were like a live studio <laughs> audience laughter during all these? That would be weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, but speaking of weird, like every once in a while they change from like full color to like black and white footage. I guess that's kind of a tip of the hat to the graphic novel. Thought it was a fine artistic choice, but what did you think? I uh, yeah, I thought it added uh, tension to it. It really, I, I wasn't sure at first, but you kind of get used to it as you keep watching, and after a while, it just it, you come to expect it. Yeah, and it helps that they don't do it like too frequently, like intercutting like one second, it's like this, the next it's like that. Like I feel like they do it at a nice pace, but it still adds tension. Yeah. Like during the more intense moments is when you get like the black and white shots. I thought it kind of worked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the kids are like growing and whatnot, and uh, one of them even like becomes pregnant somehow and it's like the family doesn't know like what to do and how to react and there are like all these other people who come around and they're like the beach has chosen them and they're like what the hell is going on you have been chosen you will age rapidly for no what appears to be no apparent reason at first yeah they, they've yeah, yeah they've been chosen like the claw in toy story or whatever the claw <laughs> We saved our lives. We are eternally grateful. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, those movies are so quotable. Um, so mm. if they try to look around and figure out like what's going on, like maybe they'll find something that'll shed some light on this. And they discover that there's this meadow right next to the beach. And it's kind of weird because you wouldn't expect this meadow to be right next to it. Like it kind of looks like two... Uh, I kind of compared to like two different like film sets uh, scooted right next to each other. It looks kind of jarring. Yeah, I thought that was a a little weird. Almost like there was a giant portal, and they taking you to somewhere completely different. Yeah, and it just feels very um unsettling. Yeah, because it does have this different atmosphere to it. Like, when they're on the beach, the sky looks, like, one way. Like, like it looks like it's normal blue. But when they walk into the meadow, the sky looks slightly purple. And it's, it's like, mm. wait, are they, like, in a different part of the world? What's going on here? They've crossed over into the ne next dimension. Have you um, seen his, his Dark Materials? Which has been on recently? Uh, no, I've only seen the Golden Compass movie. Um, I know people who enjoyed his Dark Materials. It's not something that I'm myself am like looking to watch. Really. I, I don't remember if there's a. I don't remember what happens. At, I have seen the film, but I don't remember what happens at the end. I don't remember if they showed the ending of the film matches the ending of the first season. Yeah, it's been forever since I've watched it. Um, all I remember about the ending was like, uh, the girl tell. I think the girl's name is Lyra, and she tells. Lyra, she yeah. tells her familiar like, "We are going to find this, or we're gonna get this, or whatever." It, it's it's like that, like 
sort of uh we will do the next adventure type of ending like but of course there's no sequel movie to that um yeah i'm i'm not going to spoil it but they use elements of the second book and integrate it into the first season okay. and basically in it they, they um discover a material that can uh they discover it in the second season which is based on the second book they can discover a way to o- open the universe as it were and cross between worlds that, that's the that's what i thought happened at first during when they went from the beach to the meadow like they had cut open the universe as well. Yeah, I did kind of get that vibe that maybe they're not like in the same world or the same part of the world, but some of this is left somewhat ambiguous and it's like, I don't know, how, how do you feel when movies leave things ambiguous as opposed to when they explain I, things? It, I think you need to get the balance right. If you t- tell us nothing, it's really frustrating. But if you you can't tell us too much, otherwise you spoil some of the um, magic to it, as it were. So, but so yeah, it's you have to really get the balance right if you're going to add levels of ambiguity to it. But I think um, with this, it was m- mostly fine. There were bits so I think I feel they should have explained more. But but no, I think he got the balance mostly right with ambiguity yeah i i feel that like there are some things like um i I think i've talked about this before on the podcast right for some villain characters it's more interesting if their backstory is ambiguous and you don't get spoon-fed like all of their motivations yeah yeah obviously you yeah obviously you don't need you shouldn't go into too much detail otherwise it becomes a bit much yeah. On the other hand, if you don't tell us anything, they become one-dimensional and it and it's equally off-putting. Right. But in this movie, we possibly have two dimensions. It gets kind of trippy as they continue journeying through the meadow and they start smiling for no reason, like they're full of happiness. And mm. they like all look at each other and say, This is kind of weird. And like as they continue going, they they say that they are unsettled by how happy they feel and that maybe they should turn back. But of course they're like arguing amongst themselves. Cause it's like, if we're feeling happy, why should we turn back? That's a bit, um, as an episode of Dr. Who where the, the robots attack anyone who d- doesn't feel happiness. So, you know, as in a uh, smile. Oh yeah. The, from, uh, yeah. 12th Doctor. Story. Yeah. From series 10, right. With, with Bill. Yeah. Felt felt a bit like that. Only they didn't, but they didn't have a choice in it. It it wasn't even if they didn't do it, they'll be eradicated or anything. It was like they just did it without thinking. Also, fun fact for listeners: um, me and Oliver's favorite Doctor is the Twelfth Doctor, specifically uh, during Series Ten. Yeah, I I felt it. I think. I, I didn't disapprove of Clara per se, but I, I felt that 12 and Clara didn't really work, whereas 12 and Bill worked really well, in my personal opinion. I really didn't like Clara, and wish we could have gotten more of 12 and Bill, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fixed point in time. We can't go back and fix it. <laughs> um, also, we don't have a TARDIS, but... So, yeah, the family is arguing, and they're like, they start to like 
like as they're arguing like they're obviously using real words but there comes a point where they start arguing in gibberish and it's like wait what are they even saying yeah yeah i think it was an interesting choice not use not in inventing a language to turn it into fake words like like they did with game of thrones when they uh languages uh, the fictional languages from the ground up i thought it was an interesting choice not even doing that just having random words that are strewn together to make it sound like sentences if it were someone like tolkien i would expect a new language to be made up or, or even like for star wars i think they've constructed they... like the hatice language mm. they, they also did that in avatar the the um pandora the, oh, yeah, james, james cameron's, cameron's avatar, avatar they with the made an Nav- entire Navi. language for the pandoran people Navi, yeah yeah the navi language um but i guess i don't know maybe the people behind old didn't want to go the extra mile or maybe i suspect I it's because the the idea is it's not supposed to be re- a real language it's just that the, they communicate they no longer understand each other is the idea and we're not supposed to be able to understand what they're saying it adds a sort of language barrier between them and the viewer yeah but i also feel that that worked thematically because you could compare it to just a normal family and how as the kids grow up they sort of you know they might try to like rebel against their parents or feel like their parents don't understand them and vice versa and so there ends up being sort of a barrier in communication between the generations and even between siblings as they grow more they might grow more resentful of each other for whatever reason so i i wasn't sure if it was intentional or not but it kind of felt to me like this sequence tied into that sort of thing thematically yeah i i see i didn't think of that at the time but now you mention it yeah that's actually makes far more sense as a result. Yeah, I don't know if it was intentional or a happy accident, but I, I think it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So what what'd you think of their ultimate decision of whether or not to turn back? And like once they realize that they're not understanding each other. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting decision having a, a d- divide, having some of them t- turn back because they want to go back to the way things were, but some of them looking ahead to see if things will improve in the further on. I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was an interesting choice going down that route because they could have done it either way. They could have gone all turned back or all gone ahead, but having some of them go some ways and the others go the other way was an interesting choice. Yeah, so we see them split up. Like we see the parents go one way and the kids go like, to the meadow so i guess we'll start with the parents so they as they're traveling back in the direction of the beach they feel like they're not getting any closer to it but then they hear the sound of a train um but they're not sure like it sounds very close but they don't see it at all remind reminded me of inception let's see (laughs) you know you you you're waiting for a train oh yeah i forgot about that and I'm like, oh yeah, that's just like an inception. And I watched it. Yeah, and they did. They do find like these. So like, as they look on the ground, they notice like a railway track appearing out of nowhere. 
and they hear the train, but they still don't see it. So it's like, wait, is the train invisible? It sounds like it's getting closer. They really up the tension at that. Yeah, and like the the big thing here was that it turns out the train was not on the track, but rather off of it, and so it kind of hit like the uh, Jack's arm, and so that got injured, and it's like now. You know, he's finding it more difficult as they try to travel back to the beach. And they're like, once they realize that the train could be anywhere, they realize that their kids are in danger and they sort of wonder if they should turn back and get them. Mm. Yeah. And I think they it's they started speaking more in sentences at that point because they were closer to the um, I don't know if it was because they're close to the beach or being sort of or whether it was empty nest syndrome made them closer together or something but they started speaking properly or whether it was just i don't something else but they started speaking properly at this point so you could understand them again yeah what exactly is empty nest syndrome is that when like it's when the yeah it's when the parent uh, children leave the parents and the parents are sad as a result oh yeah that makes sense and right. uh, well, obviously, in this case, the pa- the children had gone on ahead, and the parents so it, it, it turns back. And yeah, back. And Therefore, as, as... so basically, the children going on ahead is creating an empty nest, as it were. Yeah, and so we cut back to the kids, and they're continuing on through the meadow, and they notice this giant pile of like tapioca pudding. And they're, like, debating whether or not to eat from it. Um, Yeah, I thought that was kind of an odd choice. But, like, what did you think of what went down here? Mm, Yeah, a a giant bowl of tapioca appearing out of nowhere. It's like having a a pile of freshly stacked waffles in the middle of a forest. It's just a bowl of tapioca in the... For those who don't get the reference, that's a reference from Shrek 4. Oh, Shrek Forever After. Yeah. (laughs) I, yeah. I felt it was just completely out of place. I, I talked about this with Greg, but I think the I I think the only time I've seen Shrek Forever After was in the theater, but I don't yeah, remember. I think, yeah, I think that's yeah. the only time I've seen it. But I mean I think I mostly remember most of it, but yeah, it's first to a better films. Yeah, I remember the gist of it. But yeah, I know people uh, say the first two are the only good ones, but I actually did enjoy the other sequels as well. Yeah, yeah, and, I mean, they're not Puss bad. Yeah, I really enjoyed Puss in Boots. That is actually, a, in its own right, a very good film. Right. So the kids decide to like start eating the pudding, and you kind of get this like really unsettling music. You know, it's that creepy strings sort of thing mm. and it's like oh yeah. shoot what's still makes happen? my nerves tingle just thinking about it yeah and, and so as they're eating the pudding they notice that each of them are slowly expanding like they're getting taller as, as well as increasing in width and it looked like the cgi for this moment looked really odd but may, maybe i suspect it was, it's the uncanny yeah. valley it's just yeah it's 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 just it's not normal enough, so it just looks really disturbing because it's almost but not quite normal, which really in in this yeah, specific I, I, case really added to the effect. 
Yeah, like it might have been one of those things where it's supposed to look intentionally creepy and it kind of works, but yeah, it's just really weird. And it's like, oh, what, what's this pudding doing to them? Um, so now they're debating what their next move should be because really, even though they look older, they're still like in their minds, they are children who are lost in the wilderness without mm. their parents and they're not sure what to do. You mean like in the Shazam where? Billy becomes a fully grown person, but ultimately he's still a kid. Yeah. Um, fun fact. Uh, so in the comics, Shazam, like the the thing about him, like ha- still having like a kid's mind in the adult body, that became a staple in the mid to late 80s, I think. Before then, uh, like the adult... Well, he was called Captain Marvel back then. Like, the adult version had, like, a more adult mind. Almost like they were, like, two separate people. Oh, the the I, kid and nope. the adult. But, yeah. I, I do prefer the, like, that they ended up doing, like, the child's mind in the adult. Because it just makes it funnier and yes. less like a like a Superman copy. Yeah, so... Apparently they um, got, because they couldn't get uh, Henry Carvelton, they got um, his uh, stunt double to do the, um, to play Superman in in the final scene of Shazam. Oh yeah, right before the credits. Yeah. Yeah, that that part was really funny. Which is why you don't see his face. Yeah. (laughs) Or I've seen people say it would have been funny if we did see Henry Cavill, but he has a mustache that was CGI'd off of him in Justice League. Yeah, apparently it's because he was in um, Mission Impossible. I think it was it Fallout. Yeah, Mission Impossible Fallout and contractually obliged to keep it, which is why they had to CGI it out in the reshoots. I've heard them right. release the Snyder Cut. It's making a bit of a comeback. And it they now rec- taking the uh, concept of releasing the Snyder Cut seriously. Yeah, which means I'm... no more CGI off mustache. Yeah, uh, like I've seen the like trailers for it, and I'm not like this this version of those superheroes. Um, like as we've seen them in those Snyder films, it's not really like Snyder's sensibilities are different from what I would prefer from those characters. So, like I probably am gonna watch it just to see what's different, but I'm not as excited as like all these like release the Snyder Cut people like it's just kind of there I guess if that Mm, makes sense yeah um so yeah the kids like they stop eating the pudding and that stops them from growing too much but they're finding it difficult to move around so it it looks kind of like a painful struggle as they try to take each step at a time adjusting to their new bodies i guess yeah what what'd you think of like what ended up happening with the family after the like later on from this point yeah i uh, I thought it was an interesting choice uh, the parents turning back going through the meadow the kids deciding whether to go forth or to go back back again whether they feel homesickness or whether to carry on i, I thought it was an in- interesting choice in that respect. Yeah, and when they reunite, they're not speaking gibberish anymore. It's kind of like they've all come to an understanding now. Like, they've been apart from each other, and they know how painful that is. 
and now they're like one whole unit again. Yeah. So they continue onward to like back to the beach, and when they return, they see the like we didn't mention this earlier, but there's a sand castle that the kids had built earlier. But when they see it now, they see that the sand castle is taller than ever before. Like it's the size of an actual house. Yes, like it's growing bigger, and which I. Which ties back to the original graphic novel titled Sandcastle, which I think is presumably the idea. So the fact it grows bigger and bigger, it's like it consumes more, all that stand in its path. So they see the door and how it like sort of disappears, like, you know, the sand blowing off of it. So almost as if it's inviting them to go inside. And so... They, they go in, and it looks bigger on the inside, kind of like a TARDIS. Yes, transdimensional engineering, a technique yeah. used by uh, Hermione in the seventh Harry Potter book, because she makes her bag bigger on the inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Turned out Hermione discovered the secret of transdimensional engineering. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, so they go inside, and like there are these torches on the walls of this sandcastle, um, but like as they go further and further, the torches dim out and it gets dark and they realize that they're stepping in ocean water now. Mm. And now, now they're like scared of drowning in this unknown place. Yeah. I particularly like the fact that when they're, when it looks like they're going to drown, drown, it turns into a more black and white, which adds to the tension yeah because i feel like if it was in full color here the lighting wouldn't have looked very good mm. but with the black and white they were able to like show the contrast a bit more and it's like okay this is what's happening and so they're like struggling through the water and trying to like hang on to each other and get through this whole thing yeah ev eventually they find like another uh, place to step on so that they can get out of the water and it, you know they keep on going through this sand castle trying to uncover uh, whatever secrets they can find if there are any uh, but what what do you think of what they eventually discover um, as they continue through their quest of like trying to figure out this whole mystery of what's happening with them that was a very interesting turn of events when they discovered what they discovered in the sandcastle. Yeah, because in the sandcastle, they they see like some of the other characters whom they had seen on the beach, but they're like sand statues now, and it makes you wonder, like, wait, were they ever real, or were they like mm. were they trying to help them earlier, or like what what's going on? And it's like they're really questioning their reality now. See, that's ambiguity done right adding an element of ambiguity but still sort of adding some, some giving you something to work with yeah and so the family like some of the kids like start hyperventilating and they're like what is happening but the parents try to they show how vulnerable they are like the parents are like we are scared too and we don't know all the answers but want you to know that we are here for you no matter what and it's just one of those like touching family moments where uh, 
you know, that moment of reassurance that really shows the bond and the relationships. Yeah, I, 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 that was a very good scene because it was done right and really had the emotional weight to it that had it had they done it wrong, it would have just come across as cheesy. Yeah, like some of the acting in this movie is kind of like, it's kind of like just bland but there are moments where it really works and the emotions are very believable so i think those moments really went out and like triumph over those more bland moments yeah i think i think i've heard films describe described as it's not about its weaknesses it's what it does with the weaknesses and with this one it really works with those weaknesses and sort of folds it into the plot so it doesn't become overpowering as it were whereas which is M. Night Shyamalan's notorious for finding it very difficult to do that most for most of his films because most of his films get negative reviews but with this one I feel he did it properly so it it is definitely one of his better films Oh, I just remembered there's another M. Night Shyamalan movie I have seen called After Earth that oh yeah, <laughs> I think I think yeah, part of the problem was they put a lot of effort into not um, hiding the because of the failure of the last Airbender. They put a lot of effort into hiding the fact M Night Shyamalan directed that. So I'm not surprised you forgot that he um, directed it. Yeah, because that one was the first one he did after Last Airbender. Like it came out three years after, and I get that they were trying to tell this family story between. Yeah like Will Smith and Jaden Smith's characters, but like overall, the movie just didn't work. Apparently, they, uh, Will Smith wanted to make it a whole massive expansionary universe. It's compete with Marvel and DC and so on. Oh, like kind of like the, Mar- the Marvel model? Yeah, so uh, it, not just that, but w- wider as in including theme park rides and merchandise and novels and stuff. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which made his which made the box office bomb even worse as a result. Yeah, I'm like looking at the Wikipedia article for After Earth, and there's a section toward the bottom titled Cancelled Franchise. Yeah, that's... Yeah, there's supposed to be a sequel, a live-action TV series, and animated series, webisodes, mobisodes. What the hell is a mobisode? Uh, ones you find, get, get on okay. your mobile, so they send it to you through your phone, I think is the idea. Okay, that makes sense. I've just never heard of that term before. But yeah, it also mentions video game, consumer yeah. products, yeah. park attractions, documentaries, <laughs> comics. And yeah, that, that was program. all um, Will Smith's idea when he pitched it. And of course, because After Earth failed as a film, the entire thing came crashing down. It, ju- it just wasn't. There was just no way you could build something that great from the ground yeah it's like a sand castle that was destined to <laughs> he built it on, he built his house down. in the sand as it were yeah you're supposed to build it on the rock when there's a storm coming yeah. your house but, but will survive like... it may be easier to build on the sand but then it all comes crashing down when it all goes horribly wrong yeah but but this is wild it says the educational program collaboration was supposed to be in partnership with nasa cologne and perfume lines and the social media platform like <laughs> they had a lot of fa- faith in this movie and it's yeah like it's a bit much for me to wrap my head around um but yeah getting back to the sandcastle in old um 
What did you think of the twist ending? Like how we get there and how it sort of plays. Yeah, out? I I feel there's more um more sixth sense less the happening. I mean, I haven't seen the happening, but I know the twist ending, and it was criticised for being coming out of nowhere. I think, uh, whereas for this, it was more. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't sixth sense absolutely heavily integrated into the plot, but on the other hand, it wasn't happening. Makes no sense at all. Like I think, but I feel. I feel it was. I mean, whereas with with Unbreakable, the twist you could have d- done without the twist, and the plot would have still been good. I feel with old the. It's hard to know how how you do it without the twist. The twist was so well integrated into the plot. Well, I guess like listeners have already seen this movie, so we could go ahead and like mention what happens in the mm. twist. Yeah, I you really have to go in it cold to, to but because I would yeah. never have seen that coming. Well, I, like they come across this throne in the castle, which of course the throne is also made of sand, not iron, and... not like the iron throne, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and on the wall behind it, they see a message that is like being written by the wind. Uh, so the message basically says, "The sand castle throne needs a ruler," and so we aged your children so that we could have a ruler suitable for this place and whoever rules gets to travel to the place between dreams and it it kind of reminds me of chronicles of narnia a bit how like the kids go into that world and if they're there long enough they will grow up but like uh, and of course, they become like kings and queens. But when they come out uh, back to Earth, they are kids again. It kind of gave me yeah. those vibes, except it's really sinister. It, it remind, reminds here. me in some ways of um, Pan's Labyrinth. Oh yeah, particularly with Pan's Labyrinth, it was ambiguous whether it, the the world Ophelia lived in was real or whether it was all all it in her head. I felt it had the same vibe to it. There was a bit of ambiguity. What, is this place real or is it in their head? I remember when I watched Pan's Labyrinth, I was expecting it to be more like a like an epic fantasy film, I guess, because I recently learned about like the Minotaur's Labyrinth, mm. you know, that whole uh, Greek mythology yeah, sort right. of thing. But... I watched it with my parents and they, they described it as they um didn't didn't know expect it to be like that either. In fact, I think it was okay, it was more my yeah, mother's cause... idea of um, the ambiguity of whether it was real or whether it was Ophelia's dream or aspiration or something. Yeah, it, like it's a uh, like I guess this was before I knew kind of what to expect from Guillermo del Toro. So in hindsight, it makes sense the way mm. uh, the movie played out and how it looked. But yeah, I do get those vibes here. Um, and like the mention of like the world between dreams, it makes me wonder if maybe there's like some sort of connection to like, you know, the old legend of like the Sandman and you know putting people to sleep. And all like that. in that Doctor Who episode, the one with you've the, got something in your eye. The one with the the one with the I dream lied. lord, right? I didn't survive. I was consumed by the sand. <laughs> yeah, and. Like one of the like the youngest daughter is approaching the throne because she feels drawn to it, but the rest of the family is telling her to not go to it. Um, and she says, "But I have it to." It is my it's, destiny. It's calling it is to my me. destiny. 
this is who I am. So chinless feelings, you know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they try, they keep trying to pull her away from it. And like when they do, like a face appears on like the throne, like, you know, the back of the, yeah. like, like the, the part of the chair that would normally go yeah. behind your back, like a, yeah, that a was, face that was appears. Quite creepy, actually. Made of, yeah, made of sand. And it's like, uh screaming and it's it's like it's trying to um it's not screaming in agony so much as like in a way that's trying to scare them into like doing its will and so the the throne grows arms legs um also made of and is pretty much like a killer sofa of sorts yeah to be fair killer sofa was a better film than (laughs) i expected but it is very different yeah film mostly but yeah (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Kira Sofa was better than I expected as well. So the throne, like the way it's animated, looked unsettling as well. With- Again, with the uncanny valley, the idea is it's not normal enough, but it tries to be normal, but it's not normal enough. And that's really disturbing. It's sort of using the uncanny valley to, to his advantage. Right. And, and so it kind of, becomes like a little sandstorm trying to swirl around the family and it's like really scaring them and they look into the storm and see the face passing every now and then and and they're like trying to figure out what to do and they come to this conclusion that maybe the best way to combat this thing is by dreaming and so they try they close their eyes and try to there's no uh, place like home. There's no place like home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like they they close their eyes and then they open their eyes and find themselves like back at the barbecue. Uh, so it's like they're on their own turf now and like the kids are back to normal, but like the sand throne is like there on the grass. And so they they try to like use their own like home supplies to combat it. Uh, like like they pick up a brick and try throwing it at it. <laughs> yeah, that scene was it's unintentionally hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> but but no, it's yeah, it, it still added. It didn't undermine the scene in any way. But <laughs> yeah, it was also kind of hilarious when the kids got the ketchup and mustard and used that against <laughs> the thing. And so the the creature uh, starts looking red and yellow because you know it's like colored the grains of sand. And I thought that was a really yeah, cool design. That was actually. very, that was surprisingly well executed. Yeah, and then the mom gets the garden hose and like uses it on the sand monster thing, and it basically becomes its own like puddle of quicksand and like implodes upon itself. And so it disappears, and then the family is, like, wondering whether they are really at home or whether they're now in some sort of dream world. And the the dad is like, if this is a dream world, I don't ever want to leave. They should have used and their spinning top. Then it, but that would have been stolen from Christopher so, Nolan, which would have been a cheap shot. So I'm glad they, that M. Night did decided not to do. Yeah, well, like... So there there have been mixed reviews of this ending and I get how it might work thematically 
although it feels a, a bit too familiar, uh, like when you compare it to stuff like Inception. I don't know. Like, I, like I feel like the ending could have been worse. Um, it's not the best, but like I don't know. What did you it was think um, the ending? it was very different to what I expected, but but it I did fear it would become another. The ha- although I haven't seen the happening, I do know its bad reputation, and I was worried it would become another one of those sorts of films. But fortunately, it was. I mean, it it's no sixth sense, but but it is uh, one of his better films. I know that's not a very high bar, but. Even, but it's still genuinely good. Yeah, because as the credits roll, we get kind of this epilogue of like the parents see their kids growing up at a normal pace, and you know the parents grow older as well, and they see their grandchildren. And it's like they're all getting along, and there's like something beautiful about seeing this play out, whether it's a dream or real life, uh, yeah. so to speak. It's all those things where things are ambiguous, but it's somehow heartwarming yeah. to see, you know? So I guess with that, we could go into final thoughts and score out of 10. Um, so what we've been doing is when we do our score out of 10, we'll use a unit of measurement that might pertain to the film. So like, for example, for some sort of Christmas movie, one might say, oh, I rate that 6 out of 10 candy canes I thought, or whatever. I would have suggested Christmas um, trees. But yeah, <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah, so what are your final thoughts? Score out of 10. Overall a good old... film. A little weak in places. Twist ending was um, interesting, to say the least. But overall, uh, seven, 7 sandcastles out of 10. Well, that, that was the exact number I'll give it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, agree. I like, think it, not. It is, <laughs> yeah, I agree. It is weak in some places. Like the the sand castle isn't as sturdy in some places as other places. But um, I do. Well, like the plot it isn't the best constructed, but I do like the themes of the film. You know, of how like a family might drift apart, but they have to come back together. And then they can enjoy the rest of life together some yeah. one way or another. So, yeah, I I give it a 7 out of 10 bricks. Of course, you'd rank the brick for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, I guess that'll do it. Uh, thanks for being on this episode, Thank you. Oliver. Yeah, where can people find the societies you're... Uh, you if you type in University of Sussex Sci-Fi and Horror Society, you will find the uh, aforementioned society and if you University of Sussex Doctor Who Society you will also find all things Doctor Who at Sussex (laughs) and you can also follow them on Twitter and Instagram as well. Yeah, and I can put the links to like the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, Discords in the show notes for this episode so people yes, can find them. And yeah, it's just lots of fun talking Doctor Who and sci-fi and horror movies. Uh, sometimes we just joke around, but yeah, it's yeah. lots of fun. <laughs> All right. And as for my plugs, uh, listeners can find me at Stephen Schinder on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find Stephen Schinder's Storytelling on Facebook, where I talk about writing and storytelling and share a podcast stuff every now and then. I have a fantasy horror comedy novel uh, called Lemons Loom Like Rain, which is available on Amazon. 
More info on that at stevenshinder.com. Um, I'm also on Star Trek Culture. Uh, it's a podcast. You can find it on the Culture Slate YouTube channel. We've been uh, lately uh, re-watching the original series episodes as well as sharing like uh, Star Trek news segments. And you can also find the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast where I joined a roundtable discussion of season two of Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. And if you want to email delayed replay, you can email delayed replay podcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of, I don't know, M. Night Shyamalan movies or just about anything. And we might read your email on the show. So I guess that'll do it. So without further delay, have a good day.